podcast to record today um yeah you know what i'm gonna just jump right into it today okay welcome to bad movie date night the podcast in which we take a serious look at bad films and genre films and hopefully give them the credit they deserve i am nigel from a journey into film.com and with me is my wonderful wife caitlin hello and this week we are talking about the 1987 film house two the second story. You must watch House 1 to understand House 2. Well, we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> First, I just wanted to say, for those of you who are expecting the horror comedy special extravaganza, this is not it. And uh, frankly, we don't know if or when it's going to happen. There were several issues, some of them technical in nature. And uh, after multiple hours of things not going quite smoothly, what's the opposite of smoothly? Rough. Um, <laughs> what's more extreme than rough? Bumpy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now multiply that by 200. Yeah, it was... A disaster. That's a great word to say it. It was just short of a disaster. So instead, we're going to talk about the next movie in our horror comedy series, House 2, The Second Story. And we're going to add another movie to our horror comedy list that we are literally going to watch right after we record this and then record that episode. It's going to be great. We love bad movies. We love bad movies. Although we watched a good one the other night. We watched a great one the other night. Yeah. Uh, If you ever see Gattaca with Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman quite a good movie very good very good caitlin's first time my third time and uh it holds up yeah i mean i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> i liked it <laughs> it holds up so house two directed house by ethan wiley inspired by an original story by fred decker and also written by ethan wiley Ethan Wiley and Fred Decker both worked on House One as writers, but they did not direct House One. Okay. Now, how the House series is one of those interesting series that comes along every once in a while in which none of the movies are connected. You do not need to see House One to understand House Two. I don't know. In fact, it is... A completely different house with completely different characters. And um, loosely loosely connected. Which one do you like better? I enjoyed the first one much more. Yeah. I don't feel like this one knew where it was going. Yes, I could. I could agree with that. 
I, I'm not even really sure what I watched. I've been kind of nervous to talk about this podcast because, well, I just, I don't really know what happens. It's a very forgettable movie. Yeah. And like, like things don't seem coherent. So I'm like, Nigel's going to think I fell asleep during this movie, but I didn't. I was awake. I know. I saw that you were awake eating your Count Chocula. Yeah. But I was still like, I don't don't know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lots of who knows what's going on. Maybe the writers? I don't know. Because they were the writers on the first one. (laughs) So you'd think they knew what they were doing. Right. Like, why... You know why well, you mess up house too, right? So where to begin with this movie? Um, probably the two most famous people starring in this movie: Royal Dano and Bill Mayer. Yes, that is Bill Mayer from the uh, what's that show that he has? Um, he's got he had Politically Incorrect and Real Time with Bill Mayer. You know he does uh, cynical Bill Mayer things. Different than John Mayer. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But most people should know that there's a difference. Um, He honestly plays himself in this movie. His name is John, or his character's name is John, but he plays himself. (laughs) He's also, like, the boss that you very clearly know has been hitting on his... Is she, she like, an assistant? Yeah, like his assistant. And uh, uses... the main character's misfortunes to uh, swoop in and steal her away. Yes. But he did not seem to care that much once they moved into the house. Right? I who, Wait, ew. <laughs> who didn't seem to care that much? You mean... Jesse? Jesse. Jesse didn't care about his girlfriend. I thought we were still talking about John Mayer. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. J- uh, Bill Mayer. <laughs> John Mayer. Um, yeah. Jesse... I don't think John Mayer cared <laughs> when he moved into the house, too. Um, yeah, Jesse was just like, I did not understand that relationship at all. Like, okay, so they get to this house. Let's just, Caitlin, describe (laughs) the design of this house. It's like the Aztecs meets castles meets Beauty and the Beast, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Also meets, like, the mummy house from the movie The Mummy. The 1990s? With Brian Fraser. Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser. You are I'm killing it. I'm nailing names today. <laughs> yeah, you're killing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get to the house. Would you live in this house? I would consider it if it was given to me for freezies <laughs> like i don't actually they don't really explain how he got the house i know that was one of my questions i was gonna ask today how did he get the house I and why 25 years later like did nobody live there for 25 years i have no clue no clue it doesn't make any sense no. but okay before we talk about how he gets the house he arrives at the house with his girlfriend. It's late. All right, Siri, I didn't ask you to do anything. Siri doesn't understand the movie either. Siri so. doesn't <laughs> understand either. Uh, and she's like, wow, look at this house. It's so great. Where's the phone? 
<laughs> right immediately. Immediately, she needs to know where the phone is so that she can call her boss, John, and her find out. Her boss lover, John. Her boss lover, John, <laughs> and figure out if some deal they had went through. You figure out that she's like a recording artist, manager, person. Yeah, like she finds people. She signs. Yeah. Famous, not famous people, but she signs people to make them famous with music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understood that part of the movie. I knew what her job was. Yeah, and they sign her friend uh, Lana, who they call as the Madonna of the '80s, and cleverly, the character Charlie says, "Isn't Madonna the Madonna of the '80s?" It's just that was just a weird relationship, because after that point you don't really see them interact with each other. She's doing business stuff mm-hmm. and he's doing house stuff. At first stuff. though, to be honest, when I was first introduced, I wasn't even sure if they were dating. I'm like, is this his best friend? Is this his sister? Even though I was pretty sure he didn't have a sister, but I was like, maybe from the adopted family, he has a sister. I don't know. Whatever happened to his adopted parents. Yeah. And he spends a lot of time getting in and out of bed with her to deal with stuff around the house that isn't really important to her or isn't well you wonder like how she doesn't feel him moving right yeah also i want to make the question known on the podcast were were why shoulder pads why were shoulder pads a thing in the 80s she had comically large shoulder pads i thought that she had like a football player's yes the what's the shoulder pads that they wear underneath her sh- top i don't know what the right word for that blouse blouse yeah blouse suit jacket yeah she had like a like a power suit jacket yeah. like a comically large power suit jacket she like i wouldn't want to mess with her yeah she was also like kind of terrifying yeah. Um, She's kind of a bee. Yeah. So, what did we like about this movie? Yeah. What did we like about this movie? Uh, I'm going to give everyone a 30 second plot summary. Of You're going to do movie. that before we talk about our likes and dislikes? Yeah. Ready? Because I have to help myself remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Boy moves in the house after scary ghost kills parents. Boy meets great great grandpa. Boy goes on adventures with great great grandpa, like Bill and Ted knockoff. And boy ends up in the Wild West. You're not wrong. I think that was what the movie was about. <laughs> he also gets a pterodactyl baby and a dog worm as a pet. Oh, a little cute little caterpillar worm. It was so cute. That thing. Or dog caterpillar worm. When you think about it, it's kind of terrifying. But it's but so cute. Like, I realized it was supposed to be cute for the movie. I liked it. I thought it was cute. You know what we should have watched before this? What? Uh... Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull to see which movie had a better Crystal Skull plot. Because yeah. any sort of plot that this I movie has about 
revolves around a crystal skull. Yeah. But I forgot about it. So you can see how essential it was to the plot. It really, it is questionable how central to the plot that was. Yeah. So let's, uh, let, let's talk about how his parents died for a second. Okay. So the movie just like throws you into the action. Mm-hmm. Love a good movie that throws you into an act, into the action. Especially when it involves a child being handed to a relative. Was it a relative? I'm going to say yes. I thought they were like internet people, you know, like they bought them online or something. <laughs> Where do you go to do that in the 80s? <laughs> Not even the 80s. It would be like the 60s. Oh, I don't know. Post a newspaper ad. Do you child, want my baby? <laughs> child in need of rescue? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Respond to ad. But apparently, <laughs> but okay, I guess his parents knew enough about all right, so I don't even want to call him the antagonist, but an antagonist of the movie is Slim Razor. That's a great name. Cannot make that name up. <laughs> he is a cowboy, I guess, a dead cowboy. Yeah. And looks he, like Yosemite Sam. He does look like he literally looks like right? Yosemite Sam. Right. <laughs> but like dead. Like dead Yosemite Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like, I know that you're not going to remember this, but I really feel like the design of Slim Razor, mm-hmm. I want to call him Slim Driver or Slim Pickens <laughs> so bad. Slim Razor. I feel like the design of him was supposed to be inspired by Big Ben from the first house movie. Yeah. It, yeah. Which well, the soldier I, guy. Yeah, 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 the dead soldier mm-hmm. guy, because they were like, "Well, we need a cool villain," mm-hmm. but he only shows up in the first scene and the last fifteen minutes of the movie. Yep. So apparently, he had been tormenting his parents, Jesse's parents, enough that they were able to give him away. Yeah. I don't know how long they were living there before this happened. And why didn't they just move? They gave up their baby before they moved from that house. You would think that that would be <laughs> like what what kind of value judgment right? is that? We would rather keep this weird Aztec house that's right. been in our family for God knows how long than keep our child. Right. Best parents ever. <laughs> Should have addressed that in the movie. Uh, Yeah. Seriously. They were like, you take our baby. We'll keep the house. Yeah. So they give the child to these strangers and then they go inside and they are both immediately killed by Slim Razor. Mm-hmm. Who didn't even stand a chance. They did not. They armed themselves and they did not stand a chance. Cut to later. Jesse's an adult. He gets the house. Great. Good for him. He now owns a creepy Aztec house. Yes. We don't see Slim Razor again until the end of the movie. Right. That's another plot point that I was a little confused about. Like, why were all the other people trying to get the crystal skull? Right. So there's a throwaway. Okay. So similar to our last conversation about ghoulies, the Jesse... The, uh, he becomes obsessed with his family history. 
and he okay so he finds out about his great great grandfather also named Jesse mm-hmm. and for whatever reason he's like we have to find this skull because there are clearly two skulls it's not really that important in fact I kind of wish that he had found a different way to find the skull. But he digs his great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather up, who's been literally the living dead for 200-some years. Sure. However old your great-great-grandpa would I don't, be. <laughs> I don't know. It. I feel like nothing made sense. No. That would be correct. So great-great-grandfather would be like three generations. If this is the 80s, I guess it's not. Yeah, I guess he would have been around in the 1800s. So like cowboy times, which mm-hmm. he's a cowboy. Makes sense. Which, uh, again, uh, something that I asked you about while we were watching this, he finds that picture of him where he finds the skull and you think, oh, I guess he's like some kind of old-timey archaeologist. Right. But then... Surprise. He's he just talks thief. about like robbing coaches and stuff yeah, back he's in the old west. just a thief. So I guess he was a bad thief, but Slim Razor was worse. <laughs> right. I know. They were both trying to steal. Or was Slim Razor the good guy of this whole thing? No, he was definitely the bad guy. How, how do you know that? I don't know. Well, see, he could have been the good guy. He could have been the sheriff of the town trying to arrest the guy. I mean, we know that they were partners, though, so it's not like... All right, fine. You know, it's not too far of a leap. But when they dig up uh, Gramps, is what they call him, he makes a throwaway comment about how the laws of time and space don't apply to the house, which is a screenwriter shortcut, in my opinion, for some weird stuff is about to happen, and we don't want to explain how. Yeah. Because and they were right. Yeah, because then rooms turn into jungles and the electrician finds an that Aztec was a whole weird thing scene. And Slim Razor has a doorway to the old west. So that was weird. Yeah. And then everybody comes out of these locations trying to steal. Well, no one comes out of the Aztec murder temple. They just. I literally, I don't remember. I just, I couldn't keep track of who was coming out of where, when. I was like, where'd this guy oh, come from? Oh, no, 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 no. They go to like a prehistoric time too? Yeah, because, so they're having the Halloween party and that big guy shows up and takes the skull and goes into the jungle room. The, like, wrestler person. Yeah, so then they have to go after him. And that's when they meet the pterodactyl and the worm, the dog worm. And then later, some Aztec guard people attack Gramps and steal the skull. So that's when they have to go through the wall to get that back and they save the girl from being murdered and then they are having a big family dinner and Slim Razor replaces the turkey. That sounds like what happened. (laughs) (laughs) 
you could probably just be making stuff up right now. And I would be like, yeah, I think I remember that because this movie was so off the wall and made no sense. Yeah. Do you like how it was like kind of centered around Halloween too, but it not? I, so I had already seen this movie before Caitlin and I watched it. Gotta love all of the work from home movies I've been able to watch. (laughs) And when Charlie, the best friend, says that it's April or they tell Gramps that it's October, October 30th. 30th. Yeah. I was like, well, that's a coincidence. It's right. Just, you know, it's kind of like a horror movie around Halloween. Right. I forgot that they had the Halloween party too, mm-hmm. which was the excuse for Gramps to come out of the basement. Yeah. Which didn't seem really necessary. No, nothing, nothing in this movie felt necessary because of what happened before it. Yes. It just was like a lot of stuff happening that centered around this MacGuffin thing. Like somebody said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they transported to dinosaur times? Or what if like they went to the Old West or Mm -hmm. something? And that's what they did. Yeah. Also, I don't know what other movies looked like at this time, but this movie didn't look great either. This movie lacked a strong budget. Yeah. It definitely... I mean, but did it, did it have more money than, like, Ghoulies? I have no idea. I would be curious because I feel like... I mean, even the Ghoulies looked better and moved better, in my opinion, than, you know... I mean, you had that whole scene with Slim Rider and his horse, and it just looked bad. Oh, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. So there's, like, a lot of effects in this movie that are stop motion. Yeah. Which I feel like were necessary because of the time period that the movie was being made in. But maybe they could have found someone else to do it. You know what? Let me look up who was the uh, special effects supervisor on this one. I mean, I feel bad because I, I hate when people pick on special effects in movies Especially when they were made at a different time. But, I mean, I don't know. It just, it really took me out of the movie. I wish it looked a little different. Let's see. We got James Isaac, who worked on, he was a crew member on Gremlins and Enemy Mine. Look Who's Talking too. He was a project supervisor. Yeah, I mean, if he's able to do the gremlins, then I expect a well, little bit more. Well, he was a crew member for... Oh, so he didn't necessarily do the effects. Yeah. And Peter Chesney, he was a mechanical effects coordinator. And he worked on a lot of movies, actually. So, um, oh, here we go. Chris Wallace, makeup and creature effects designer. He worked on Humanoids from the Deep. Okay. Good one. That was a fun one. Uh, he was a consultant on Star Wars Episode Six, Gremlins, The Fly, The Fly 2, Arachnophobia, he was uncredited on Naked Lunch. So, I mean, he... Yes, I mean, he his, clearly has done some stuff. Yeah. So, I would like... T- I think maybe the budget necessitated it. Mm. Or maybe, like, the way that they wanted to shoot things 
necessitated it because I don't know. Yeah, I just mean for me, it kind of took me out of the film. I mean, not that I was really in it to begin with, so maybe that was the initial problem. Like, maybe if the story was so good, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, this is a really hard movie to get invested in. Yeah, and I really did feel like it was a um, Bill and Ted knockoff. It did come across that way because of the way that their, like, relationship was. Yeah. Like, I really wanted one of them at any moment to go, like, that was totally bodacious. Yeah. It's a little early for that in the decades, though. Apparently, but they... Maybe they were the original Bill and Ted, the OG. Maybe. Uh, maybe it's an unpopular opinion. All right, <laughs> so here's a question that I have for you so that we can tie this in with everything else that we've been talking about. All right, shoot. This movie was very clearly meant to be a horror comedy. Yes. There are yes. a lot of, not hysterical, but that's the word I want to use. <laughs> there, are very, there are lots of situations that are clearly meant to be comedic right. in nature. Mm-hmm. Would you like to expound upon that and explain... In your opinion, like, why does this movie work as a comedy, even if we didn't really laugh that much, versus, like, Ghoulies? This movie has a lighter plot than Ghoulies, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, it's fun. Like, the plot itself, you know that he's uh, the main character. You know he's not going to die. You know he's not in any real danger. Um, I mean, that's kind of applicable to most movies, though. Correct. But in Ghoulies, I think you're more emotionally invested in the the main character in Ghoulies. So you care a little bit more about whether he will survive or what this is going to do to his relationship. Yeah. We're in House 2. You don't really, you're not invested in the character. You're not invested in his relationship. So I think that that lends itself to not having that emotional connection. And then I think that there's like, you know, well, anytime that you're not involving demons, probably going to be less scary. Yeah. (laughs) In my opinion. So I think like that kind of worked out. And then it was kind of like a more like time travel-y movie than scary movie. Yeah. I mean, there were horror elements to it. Right. And I think it was supposed to be spooky, but it really, it is almost more of like a science fiction movie. Yes. Plus, it, it I think it helps that like his uh, friend Charlie was meant to be, very clearly meant to be like comedic relief. Mm-hmm. And they put him front and center and he's kind of the the dopey uh, idiot, honestly. Right. I think they even gave Gramps a lot of lines to make people laugh. Yeah, but you know what? You know what scene I actually thought was what character I actually thought was genuinely funny, and I think it's be a proof of like acting ability. What? Who? The electrician. Yeah. Played by uh, John Ratzenberger. He's funny. Yeah, from uh, Cheers. He also voices Ham on the Toy Story movies. He uh, he shows up as this electrician, and he breaks a hole in the wall, 
and he says stuff like, well, Jess, what you see what you got here is <laughs> some sort of temporal anomaly. Yeah. Uh, this is probably why your lights aren't working. Yeah. They're in uh, another dimension. He breaks, <laughs> a, he breaks a light bulb and says, huh, probably foreign, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so he was very funny. He His was. lines were very funny. He delivered them he in a really good in way. It longer. Yeah, I wish that he came back. Like, I, I feel like it would have been better. As much as I hate exposition in movies, I feel like it would almost have been better to have him in it more to explain things mm -hmm. because you get the idea that he knows what's going yeah, on. Right. Which I kind of like that, like, they hinted at that and that was kind of a joke with his character. Yeah. But also that they didn't over explain it. So that's kind of a weird source of, I guess, like tension for the movie that they had to deal with. I would say that any of the scenes with him were probably my favorite scenes in the film. Although the fight scene in the Aztec temple was uninspired. Yeah. And by but uninspired, I mean, I did not care. Yeah, but I didn't care about any of the fight scenes. So That's true. There were very few fight scenes. Well, good, they uh, just didn't last long. Yeah. They were this like, movie, kapow, you're knocked out. This movie moved very quickly from one scene to the next. Yes. In ways that were not very well connected. I mean, I guess like it was coherent. Like it's not like the yeah, story you could didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But it just like, it, there's nothing to draw you in no. to it. I didn't care about the characters. Mm -mm. When his girlfriend left, I was like, good. good. Like I don't want you here oh my gosh when we meet what's her name rochelle yes when we meet rochelle i was like thank god i kind of hope these two end up together because she seems to like him more than his actual girlfriend and then she turned out to be a slutty drunk just hanging out in the closet yeah i mean i don't know if she was slutty but she was drunk anyone who dresses up like a french maid for <laughs> halloween mm, 50% chance. 60. Let's okay. just be realistic for a second. Okay. So, that's what we got. Did you like the dinosaurs in the movie? Because I know you like dinosaurs. I do like dinosaurs, but they look so bad. <laughs> the pterodactyl didn't, which no. was very clearly like a hand puppet. Yeah, he was kind of cute. I think if I liked this movie more, I would have liked the dinosaur. That makes sense. I Here's something that I also don't understand. Why did Gramps die? I didn't understand that either because I was under the impression that the skull was keeping him alive. Right. So did they like lose the skull? Was he away from the skull for too long that he couldn't live any longer? I don't I, know I don't. why didn't it prolong his life once he got near the skull again. You are asking questions that just cannot be answered, my friend. Yeah, I kind of thought so. Um, was there anything else in this movie that you thought contributed to it being very clearly a comedy over a bad horror movie? I think the writing has... A lot to do with it. And I think I'm going to start looking at the writing itself more than anything. Because if you're putting joke after joke after joke in a scene, 
you're probably shooting for more of a, a horror comedy than a horror yeah. movie. Um, even some of the like camera work when the wrestler looking guy comes and knocks out Gramps, you kind of see the camera pan between the wrestler and Gramps and Jesse and his girlfriend, and they both kind of get knocked out at the same time. Yeah. Kind of like a ha-ha, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so, you know, I think that kind of lends itself to more of a comedic lens. Yeah. I think the best evidence for it is the cameo from Kane Hodder where he is punched over the railing and lands backwards on the sofa. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like any any horror movie would have had him dead. dead. Yeah. Instead of landing safely in a humorous way on the couch. Now, was this a particularly good horror comedy? I would say no. It was not. It wasn't funny to me. It was not funny. It was just kind of existing. And I know that it there's no connection to the rest of the house series, but it did not make me want to watch the rest of them. No. However, I do want to talk about something interesting, and I think um, we're going to talk about... I'm in the works of trying to plan a series around this at some point, but something very fascinating to me is this idea that the Italians in the... I'm going to... This is a liberal guess, but the 60s through, like, the 80s liked to retitle American films and essentially make their own movies that were like ripoffs of ripoff sequels of good American movies. So fun fact about this one, House 2 is actually a sequel to The Evil Dead in Italy. This this the movie we just watched is a sequel to The Evil Dead in Italy? Yeah. So in Italy, Evil, the Evil Dead series was translated as La Casa, which is literally it means the house. And so you had Evil Dead 1, which was La Casa. Evil Dead 2, which was La Casa 2. But in between Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, Sam Raimi made some other movies. Maybe just one other movie. And he... I guess the Italians were in too much of a hurry for them to make more Evil Dead movies. So they started making their own movies. So La Casa 2, or La Casa 3 is Ghost House. La Casa 4 is Witchery. La Casa 5 is Beyond Darkness. And then this is where things get weird because House 2, the second story, was La Casa 6. But House 2 and Evil Dead 2 both came out in the same year. That's weird. And then the, this other horror movie called The Horror Show, which was eventually retitled to House 3, The Horror Show, in, in an unofficial part of the American House series, became La Casa 7. I don't understand the Italians. In their movies or I, their names. <laughs> oh, I don't either, but I love it. <laughs> Apparently, though, the movie Ghost House 
and one of the other ones actually share a lot more in common with the Evil Dead series than Army of Darkness, which I find a little interesting, and um, maybe we'll talk about these a little bit more later, because mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be fun to talk about some Italian ripoffs. Love that. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, there's an unofficial alien sequel made by the Italians called Alien 2. And there's also a combination Aliens and Terminator 2 sequel that the Italians made, which I can't remember the name of it, but I will pull it up quite quickly because it is an awesome name. (laughs) Shocking Dark. And uh, Alien 2 is called Alien 2 on Earth. So go Italians. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. (laughs) And um, we should start a podcast on the history of Giallo movies and talk about every single Giallo. That sounds like a lot more effort than I want to put into a podcast. Okay, well, but it would be fun. We could do a little little spinoff one. Yeah, maybe we'll do a little series, little mini series at some point. You know what? I would love to do a mini series on Italian cinema because I feel like we look at a lot of them and we're like, oh, they're so bad because well, they're, they're not camping and over the There's top, but they're literally incredible. Italian cinema is uh, Giallo's in particular. Best movies. Best movies. I have yet to dislike an Italian movie that we've watched. Right. But to be fair, I don't think we've watched any like serious. Well, Blow Up, I guess, is the only like serious Italian movie that we've watched. And some of the giallos are pretty serious. I was going to say, I feel like the giallos are serious. But th- I feel like they also have like a like a higher camp factor. But they didn't at the time. I don't think they did it intentionally. Yeah, I don't know. See, this is why we need a podcast. Yeah, we should probably start a podcast to talk about it. <laughs> we should do two podcasts a week forever. Okay, let's do it. Great. <laughs> um, Caitlin, do you have any more thoughts that you want to throw out there? Uh, no, no. All right. I just I didn't love this movie. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Well, then let's hop over to your dating corner and hopefully we can have some fun with that. Okay. So, I pulled my dating advice this week from Boy Meets World. Beca- and not this movie. <laughs> I feel no. like you're breaking. You're bending the rules of. Keelan's dating corner now. No. Okay. So something that happened in this movie made me think about the the scene in Boy Meets World that I think has good and applicable dating advice. So in this movie, the Rache- Rochelle is seen kissing Jesse. Yes. But she is very clearly intoxicated. Yes. And he did not ask for this. He did not consent. No. She raped him. And the douchebag music man. John. Nudges his girlfriend and says, hey, look what your boyfriend's doing. So Jesse's girlfriend sees him kissing Rochelle and instantly just walks over to him and slaps him in the face and whatever. They break up. Um, so here's my dating advice that I pulled from Boy Meets World. 
in a relationship, you don't doubt first. You trust first. That sounds like something directly from Boy Meets World. I think it is so smart and great dating advice for people out there. You should, in a relationship, trust before you doubt. Provided they have not cheated on you before. Correct. Now, if they've cheated on you before, bye-bye. We're going to throw a little asterisk on there. Right. Go away. But Corey never cheated on Topanga, so she had no reason to doubt him. (laughs) Idiots. But, uh, so that's, that's good dating advice. Yeah, I mean, solid, solid dating advice from Boy Meets World. At least there was a relationship in this movie to pull from because, like, if there was no, <laughs> rela- no relationship, I don't know what we'd be talking about right now. Um, also, this boy needs to get his life together because he then just, like, kind of you think there's like this relationship developing with this girl that they took from the aztec world yeah that was weird yeah within the last 20 minutes of the movie they introduce this girl that they save from being murdered in the aztec temple and then the last shot of the movie is him this girl and charlie in the old west like getting ready to ride off into the sunset yeah i i did not enjoy the ending of this movie it kind of confused me and also i didn't uh, like the relationship between Jesse and this Aztec individual. I mean, they didn't really show a relationship. It's questionable whether or not she even knew English. Right. <laughs> so moral of that story, don't date a girl that you kidnapped from another time period. Yeah, that um, <laughs> just because you save someone doesn't mean that they owe you their life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they pretty much, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, they did save her from death. But, I mean, is it worth it to be essentially a... A slave? I wouldn't, I mean, we don't know if they treat her like a slave. But, I mean, she is a prisoner. Right. It's like, she's like, well, I could go with these two white guys (laughs) and not understand anything that they ever say to me. Right. Or I could risk my life in the old West where people will probably kill me for looking like a native American. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her, her options. Not great. Not great. I they know did that not do her justice. Yeah. It was, um, problematic at best. Yes. Granted, I don't think that they are going to hurt her in no, any way. No, but, but you know, give her, the choice right <laughs> right so that's the moral of that story yeah <laughs> do you have a fun question for us this week well okay i was kind of like stuck between two of them but i think i already know the answer for one of them okay i'm just gonna ask you both okay we don't got time for two questions w- what See, I already know the answer to this one. But if you could go back to any decade, it this it sounds horrible, and pick a woman from it, <laughs> like Jesse did with the Aztec girl, what <laughs> decade would you go to? I like how we just had a conversation about how problematic that was. <laughs> I know. 
And you're like, yeah, but like if you if could, you if like you could, if you could imprison a woman from <laughs> another decade. period, what decade? Would what that decade be? would you choose? <laughs> oh boy, um, I don't know. I have a lot of moral issues <laughs> with answering this question. Do you have an answer for it? Yeah. I'm assuming you wouldn't kidnap a woman. <laughs> it might go the other way. I would go back to the 1950s. Yeah. Kidnap a man from there. Yeah, like a Don Draper type. Like a Don Draper, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would want to kidnap Betty Draper. No. But, I mean, I guess I also lean towards the 50s. But, I mean, the 60s were kind of interesting. And yeah. But there's the too 80s. much more. People probably just too mad. Yeah. That is a conundrum. <laughs> and I don't know how to answer that. Um, and, yeah. Because I just thought it was interesting that he got a girl from the Aztec period and not, like, you know, any of the other billion. Right. But let's be realistic about finding a girl from the Aztec period. Not saying that this is um, um, a necessity. I mean, to each his own, I guess. But, like, women back then, probably not shaving their legs. Right. Probably, you know, the standard of hygiene is probably a little different. different. But they're going to the West, so I'm sure the standard of hygiene did not change much. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Because, like, you remember that we watched that one movie and they were like, look, toothbrushes exist for the first time. And we're like, wow. Right. Right. Yeah. So that was. I am so glad we live in this decade because I need my toothbrush, my indoor waters. Yeah. My indoor washing machine. There are so many things to be thankful about living today versus, you know, back then. Do you think people are going to say that in the future about this decade? Like, I'm so glad I live in 3030. Couldn't bear to live in 2021. Yes, because that's the nature of (laughs) We just get so accustomed to. Every new generation thinks that the previous generation was the worst. Yeah. That's pretty much the law of the universe. I think as long as I had uh, indoor water and a toothbrush, I I could survive anywhere. Yeah. It's kind of like, I have to have those things. Sorry. I think if you were pretty rich in Victorian era London, you maybe had those things. That's my least favorite decade. Yeah. It is a visually interesting time period for television. Not a fascinating era in general. No. That being said, I'm not endorsing kidnapping women. <laughs> no, I'm not either. From any I'm not either. Decade. Don't do it. That's horrible. If you are able to kidnap a woman from any decade, don't do it. <laughs> don't. Do it. Okay, you want to hear my other question, though? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, If your house... This isn't really dating, I guess, though. But I guess it's just more like a question I had about maybe the movie itself. But, like, if your house was a hub for all 
not like I guess if your house is a hub for different time periods. If your house had temporal anomalies all up in it. Would you? Well, like, would you tell somebody about that? Would you continue to live? No, I'm not talking about like you'd have to follow the story or anything. I'm just saying like one day you open your closet and it's an, you know, World War Two is going on out there or something. Then you open it the next day and you're in the year 3033 or something. Like, would you tell somebody about that? Would you keep that to yourself? Would you go in and explore? Like, okay, first of all. Missed opportunity from this movie to not go to the future. Right. Agreed. Because who's to say that people from the future wouldn't be interested in the crystal skull? Exactly. Also, I would move immediately. You would. You, you and would, I would not even mess with that. I would lie <laughs> as far as I need to. <laughs> I would do whatever it takes to never disclose that on any real estate transaction. Lie. Because... Okay, who okay, you see the amount of nonsense they had to deal with in this movie. Yeah. You got Aztec warriors coming out of right, the wazoo. Right. You got weird cavemen and uh demon uh demon western mm-hmm. people, cowboys. No. No. You not That is that. that is a safety hazard <laughs> having that in your house. You should move immediately. Oh, okay. You wouldn't go in and explore it? No. Uh, okay. Because next thing you know, you're in there, World War II is breaking out, and you're bringing Hitler back with you. <laughs> and Hitler's like, great, now, now I'm more powerful than <laughs> right. I've ever before. Right. All right, all right. That's fair. So it all leads back to Hitler. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. I'm assuming you would stay and explore. I think I would have to, just once. Just go in. To see. I would be afraid of going in and never finding my way back. That would be. It doesn't make any sense how they got back anytime they left it. The string? Okay, the, that one time it made sense. Yeah. That was good. That was smart. Yeah. Uh, electrician guy, he knows what's up. Yeah. He knows more than he's letting on. Yeah. All that to say, I would not. Okay, that's fair. Thank that's you. That's all I got for you. Great. I really hope that people are enjoying the dating corner. Yeah, I hope so, too. It's something that we felt very passionate with this reboot of sorts that we've been doing. I know that we didn't really like this movie, but um, you know what? I think it deserves a little bit more of an evaluation. Like, if you enjoy campy 80s horror comedies as such, like, I would say, yes, watch this movie. I don't think it's like the worst movie out there, but I don't know that it necessarily degree deserves more credit. You think it gets enough yeah. credit? Yep. It's probably fine where it's at. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean if you're looking for something for like background noise, put it on. Yeah. If you feel obligated to watch the house series, like yeah. Watch number two. But other than that, I um your life would not be different if you didn't watch it. So Correct. Now, House One, watch it. So pretty good. good. Pretty good. Very good movie. Um, they wanted the villain in House One, Big Ben, to be like a big new franchise thing. One of the producers on these movies is... Um, I knew I was going to forget his name as soon as I tried to bring it up. Sean S. Cunningham, the guy responsible for Friday the 13th. 
he wanted uh, Big Ben to be the new like horror villain franchise guy. Didn't really icon. work. But no, it didn't work out. I forget why. I think maybe it had something to do with Vietnam or like maybe the movie didn't perform well or something like that. Um, yeah, watch House 1. House 2 you can live without. Can't really comment on the rest of the series because we have not watched it yet. But uh, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll talk about La Casa in a future episode. Maybe. Do you have anything else that you want to say before we wrap things up? No, let's go watch our next bad movie. Let's go watch our next bad movie, the 1983 film Frightmare. All right. Thank you for listening. As always, we encourage you to hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts because we don't want you to ever miss an episode. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Journey into Film, posting some pretty cool stuff. If you uh, like, we like to post polls on there so you guys can choose what our next movie is going to be. So, you know, do that. It doesn't happen very often, but it's happened more times already than I thought it would. So that's cool. And if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash a journey into film or head over to Tee Public and check out some sweet merch that we have. And those links are available in the show notes. I feel like I had something else that I want to say. Oh, yeah. Leave a review. Tell us what you'd like and what you don't like about the show. And, uh, you know, we like those five-star reviews because then that means that people are enjoying us. And uh, if they're not, well, that's okay, too. Maybe we'll tweak some things. Who knows? Depends on what you say and how you say it. (laughs) And as always... Don't let anyone tell you that a film you enjoy is bad because they're probably wrong.